Welcome. This is Ram Forward, a weekly podcast about the Los Angeles Rams. Hosted by two guys in California and Florida, it's LA Rams coast to coast. I'm Forrest Kelly, three and a half hours east of the 50-yard line at SoFi Stadium in Southern California. And I'm Mark Elzey Rams, 2,200 miles east of the LA Memorial Coliseum in Northeast Florida. This is Ram Forward, horns up coast to coast. And boy, it has seemed forever since the last uh, time the Rams played. I, I know that it hasn't been, but hasn't it seemed inordinately long to you, Mark? Well, yes, because you get used to them playing every week, and if they miss a week, you feel like there's a void in your life, but it was good to get a break, and I'm looking forward to the next game, though. You said a void in your life. Yeah, a big void. What would my life be without it? I know. Were you out on the golf course today? No, today it was raining. It, it is weird on a Sunday not to be watching the Rams. All right, we got to start the show off with another superb trivia question. Okay, well, I started following and rooting for the Rams in 1973. That season, the Rams began a new era with the hiring of head coach Chuck Knox. They also traded longtime quarterback Roman Gabriel to the Philadelphia Eagles for wide receiver Harold Jackson, running back Tony Baker, and three draft picks. The Rams also traded to acquire a replacement quarterback. Who was the quarterback that the Rams acquired in 1973 to replace Gabriel? And that was the only poster that I ever had in my room, regardless of anything and whatever. It was I only had one poster in my room growing up, and that was Roman Gabriel. And I was so disappointed when they traded Roman Gabriel. But uh, okay, all right, let's get back into it. We're coming up, and I'm so glad to get this game out of the way because then we don't have to worry about the 49ers for the rest of the year. Go ahead, let her rip, Mark. All right. Well, the three and four San Francisco 49ers host the three and three Rams at SoFi Stadium on Sunday in a battle of mediocre teams. The partial Niner crowd will make things difficult for the visiting Rams on offense and will likely force them to have to use the silent count on many times. The Rams are a decent road team, so playing in front of the hostile fans at SoFi shouldn't be that much of a problem, especially with starting center Brian Allen set to return. Hopefully the stupid PA announcer at SoFi won't exacerbate the Niners' home field advantage by whipping the hometown Niner fans into a frenzy with that moronic whose house crap. Save that for the, when the Rams actually have a home game, if that ever happens. Shame on these Rams season ticket holders for selling out to Weiner fans. <laughs> oh, my wife is a hairdresser and she's got uh, multiple uh, clients that are San Francisco 49er fans. So I, I have to hear it every Sunday. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. But on the other hand, you know, there's a lot of things to do here in Southern California. And it's a beautiful thing. And so you, you can pay for your season tickets by just suckering a few 49er fans. There's always that uh, viewpoint. Okay, now let's talk about the best part of the LA Rams, and that's the defense. Okay, well, as usual, we'll look at who will be getting the most snaps. The defensive line has been relatively injury-free. So we'll see the big three of Aaron Donald, Greg Gaines, and Ashawn Robinson, plus Marquise Copeland in what figures to be essentially a four-man rotation. The inside linebackers, as always, will be Wagner and Jones. And the outside linebackers will be Leonard Floyd, Justin Hollins, and Terrell Lewis. The cornerbacks will be Ramsey, Troy Hill, and David Long, with rookies Darian Kendrick and Kobe Durant for depth. With Jordan Fuller still out, the much maligned Taylor Rapp will play free safety, and Nick Scott will play strong safety, 
unless Raheem Porras opts to start Terrell Burgess over Rapp. Of course, it doesn't matter as they both suck anyway. We essentially now have all our starters back on defense. Ready for that. There's been a lot of talk about the Rams' lack of pass rush. Here are my thoughts on that. We're not going to get much of a pass rush no matter who is playing the edge. If the defensive backs are playing 12 yards off the wide receivers, thereby inducing the opposition to throw continuous five-yard passes. It only takes the quarterback two seconds, get the ball set, and throw a pass that short. If Porras would move the defensive backs up four yards and take that pass away, it would force passing plays to take longer to develop, and maybe Floyd, Lewis, and Hollins would start applying pressure. Unless Floyd is hurt, he's a proven edge rusher, but he's not quick enough to get to the quarterback in two seconds unless he is unblocked on the play. The Raheem Porras Charmin defense does not create an aggressive D. We want aggression with guys gang tackling, trying to create turnovers, applying pressure to create mistakes, and guys ball hawking for interceptions. Passive defenses do not encourage this type of activity. By design, they sit back there waiting for the quarterback to make mistakes. That may work against scrub quarterbacks, but it will not work against good ones. Recall, think back to game one against Buffalo for proof. It also is detrimental to time of possession and hurts in the field position battle as teams matriculate the ball down the field, chewing up the clock. Having said that, something tells me we're going to see that Charmin defense all season long unless McVeigh himself intervenes and tells Porras to play the defensive backs closer to the line and add more press coverage and, and more blitzes and add some defensive line stunts. I think Porras can only think one way and has one scheme for each game and has trouble adjusting if his primary scheme isn't working. Now, the Niners just got Christian McCaffrey in a trade with Carolina, so he'll figure to be their primary ball carrier. The Niners also have tight end George Kittle and wide receiver Brandon Ayuk, but their best player on offense is wide receiver Debo Samuel, who has been ruled out for this game with a hamstring injury. That is very good news for Ram fans because he absolutely kills us. Our trivia hint for you, the quarterback the Rams acquired prior to the 1973 season. He only played one full season for the Rams as he was traded in mid-1974 to the Packers, who, um, if I remember correctly, they fleeced the Packers because he didn't do anything with the Packers after he got traded. Um, But he was mainly known for being the quarterback of the then San Diego Chargers from 1962 to 1972, and he teamed up with, uh, at the time, the greatest wide receiver and history, uh, Lance Bambi Allworth, to form one, one of the most formidable passing combos in NFL history. And it was the first time in my entire life as a football fan when I saw him with his helmet off, I thought, oh my gosh, he is a used car salesman. He is not the quarterback of the Rams. Do, <laughs> do you remember this? Do you remember it? Well, I remember, you know, yeah, he did not look like... Uh... He was bald. Well, no, was he? Yes, yeah. It was he he just had the uh, yeah, kind of the same hairdo, you know, just the hair around the backside, but the oh. top all bald, and it's like wow. Okay, uh, uh, let's anyway. <laughs> let's uh, move on to the offense where there is some solidarity coming together. Let's go over that. Well, I guess you could say that. Well, we'll begin with the uh, elephant in the room, which is the offensive line. Now, the offensive line is expected to be Flabby Jackson at left tackle. Brian Allen at center, Ode Abushi at right guard, and Rob Havenstein at right tackle. The big problem on the offensive line is left guard, where we will likely see Bobby Lunchmeat Evans start, <laughs> as he has been doing in recent games. Sadly, he may be the Rams' best choice at left guard until uh, starting left guard David Edwards returns, and I think maybe two or three weeks, 
as the other options are journeyman Matt Skura, Ty Inseki, and the inexperienced Chandler Brewer. Note that Jeremiah Colonnay has been waived. All right, so any personnel moves? No, no personnel moves during the bye. Since the Rams did not make any moves at running back, logically, Daryl Henderson will start and get most of the snaps. Malcolm Brown may also get some snaps on plays where the running back runs up the middle from a bunch formation into a wall of blockers for no gain. This is McStubborn's favorite rushing play, and Malcolm Brown certainly has the skills to execute it. <laughs> I wish to point out that Latavius Murray is playing for the Broncos after starting off at the Saints and is averaging 4.3 yards per carry on the season. I don't expect him to do that well behind our offensive line, but it would be better than Akers or Brown. I've been calling for the Rams to bring him in since August. His salary is only $1.1 million, so I wonder why we didn't bring him in. We bring in Ronnie Rivers and Malcolm Brown, but not Murray. It, it, it's maddening. Also, I don't like the way McVay has been using Henderson lately. He's been using him too much to block and not enough running and receiving. Let's look at the last two games. Versus Dallas on October 9th, Hendu 37 snaps, zero rushes, and five targets. That was Cam Akers' last game. Last game versus Carolina on October 16th, Hendu 46 snaps, 12 rushes, and three targets. So the last two games combined, that's 83 snaps and only 20 touches, and thus 63 non-touches. That's very odd and poor usage of a running back like that. Now, I realize his non-touches aren't all blocking plays, as there were plays when he was in the pass pattern but was not targeted, but still, he's doing way too much blocking. Now, running back uh, Cam Akers is still not practicing with the team because they're still trying to trade him before the November 1st deadline, and as such, he is expected to miss Sunday's game. That leaves the aforementioned Ronnie Rivers and Malcolm Brown to back up Hindu. That's not good, and that's a concern, and that may cause the Rams to have to go to a pass-heavy attack because if Henderson goes down, we got nothing there, so that bears watching. The rest of the offensive personnel will be the aforementioned offensive lineman, plus Stafford at quarterback, Cup in the slot, and Higby at tight end. Now there's some change in the receivers. Our outside receivers should be a three-man rotation among Allen Robinson, Van Jefferson, and Moose Skoranek, with the Moose also lining up at fullback on some plays. Hopefully wide receiver Van Jefferson, who is making his first appearance this year after a knee injury sustained last season, can add some speed and can also add the deep threat that we have been sorely lacking all year. Now, I want to expand on a misdirection jet sweep for the Moose, which resulted in a 17-yard touchdown run last game versus Carolina. In my opinion, it's the most important play that we've had this year, and I'll tell you why. It was a beautiful play design, as when the ball was snapped, everyone on the Rams moved slightly to the left, except for the Moose, who, of course, ran across the backfield to take the handoff from Stafford, and Allen Robinson, who stayed outside on the right to block. Robinson made enough of a block on two Panther defenders to set the edge for the Moose, who tiptoed in untouched for the touchdown. It was a great play design, perfectly executed by Robinson and the Moose. The reason I think this play is important are as follows. One, it showcased the Moose's running ability. This guy just gets better and better. He's a great blocker, and we've talked about that a lot. He's now contributing as a receiver and now as a runner. He epitomizes we, not me, and I am very glad to see him playing so well. Two, it showed me a lot about Allen Robinson. Most fans, including me, have been complaining about Robinson's lack of production the first five games. But on that play, Robinson showed we, not me, by blocking two Panther defensive backs. You very rarely see a wide receiver take two defenders out of a play. Now, he didn't pancake anybody, but he had enough of a sense of the play to know that if he pushed both guys away from the sideline, that the Moose would be able to score. 
I was very impressed with that. I would have been happy if they had just taken out one of the defenders, but if that had happened, the Moose probably would have been tackled at around the five, but in, because Robinson knocked out two defenders, the Moose was able to score. He was able to score untouched only because of Robinson's great blocking. After the Moose scored, Robinson showed lots of excitement celebrating in the end zone. That one play changed my opinion about Robinson, and hopefully that will be a watershed moment for him, and he'll be a key contributor from here on in. Lastly, it was a clever play designed by McVeigh. I have been very critical of his play calling all year, as I see it as predictable, ineffective, and boring at times. He needs to install more plays like this that confuse the defense and can be successful even with a lousy offensive line. Just as Debo Samuel is a huge omission from the 49ers roster, the Rams on special teams could possibly have an omission who's just as important to their success. Okay, well, um, there is one possible problem on special teams as kick returner Brandon Powell that's questionable. If he does play, look for him only to handle kickoffs and punts and not to be involved much on the offense. If he can't go, McVay may ask Cooper Cup to field punts In that case, he should fair catch everything. I'm unsure who would return kickoffs, possibly Ronnie Rivers, possibly Chatarius Atwell, possibly the Moose Garonic. But that's uh, Powell's been our sole kick returner ever since he got that position in the middle of last season, and that would be a problem if he's not out there. As I mentioned in previous podcasts, special teams gaffes have been a thorn in the Rams' side over the last year and a half, and if we don't have somebody back there who can field the kick cleanly, that could be a problem. Now, as we all know, the regular season is simply a time for jockeying for position and staying alive in the playoff race. You want to be playing your best football as the regular season is winding down and as the playoffs begin. When the playoffs start, one team will get hot and go on the three or four game winning streak and win it all, as the Rams did last year. So some of these teams that look good now, like Philly or Buffalo or Kansas City, and all three of those teams look really good, may have a bad game in the playoffs and all these dominating early season performances won't be worth squat. The NFC West will likely be one with an 11-6 record or maybe even 10-7. and seven. The Rams can win this game. I have no doubt SoFi will be overrun with 49er fans, but that's nothing new. As far as the other so-called powerhouse teams, I think the Buccaneers are not going to be a 6-11 team, nor the Packers is going to be a reversion to the mean. And those teams, I think, will come on strong the second half. So I still think the Bucs will win the um, South. The Vikings may be so far ahead of the Packers that the Packers may be competing for wild cards, but... But don't count those two teams out. They have great quarterbacks, a history of winning, good rosters, and they're just going through rough stretches right now. So um, we'll see who's playing well in December, not who's playing well in October. Right. Yeah. I mean, like with the baseball, the Dodgers won 111 games and then boom, gone. The Mets, same over 100 games, gone. The whole regular season is just to get into the playoffs and see how high your seeding can be. We've seen teams that have been wild cards get hot. The Giants did that a couple times and got to the, uh, and the Cowboys did it. They got hot and made it to the Super Bowl. We see, we've seen the number one seeds get knocked out. Um, happened to the Packers last year. So the idea is to be playing your best in December, which is why we can't take these games too critically. People are saying, well, this is a must game for the Rams. Well, you could say that about, and if, okay, and if they win it, then they go into Tampa Bay. Well, then that's a must game. I mean, really, it's one game. The only must game is the game that eliminates you from playoff competition, right. you know, when you get, then you must win or, or that's the season's over. So, I mean, Rams could still lose this game and then win six in a row 
as unlikely as that may seem after the, uh, you know, after this game. So it's not really a must game. Any division game is important. It's, okay, now to the game. What do I think is going to happen? Well, I think Shanahan knows what McVay will likely call in any situation. There's a certain predictability that a lot of us can see with McVay, and I think Shanny has it down pat better than any other coach. Our roster has been better than theirs over the past three years, yet they beat us consistently. So the only explanation I can offer is that Shanny reads McVay like a cheap novel. McVay can solve this by doing the unexpected. This also goes for Porus, who must play his defensive backs closer to the line and add in some more man coverage, as well as some stunts and blitzes. I've been saying this all year, but it is doubly true this Sunday. I've outlined what we need to do on both offense and defense. I expect that McStubborn and Porus will do the same old predictable and ineffective things as usual, but without Debo, the Winers are a far less intimidating team. Thus, I am predicting that we will win 24-17. Interestingly, before the news broke that Debo was going to miss the game, I had it the other way, that the Niners would win 24-17. That's how important I think that one guy, if you could tell me, Mark, you could take one guy from the Niners and he's going to miss the game. I wouldn't pick Garoppolo, the quarterback. I would pick Debo because he absolutely kills us. And if we lose this game, we can't beat the Niners with Debo out, then that tells me that we're probably not a Super Bowl contender. Of course, we could go on a hot streak, but I think if we lose this game, we're probably not going to run it back. And uh, I think we can beat them. So my prediction is 24-17 Rams. And I think uh, also uh, a player that's out is, is crucial as well as the uh, fullback. What's... Um, yeah, uh, check. Yeah, yeah. I think that's going to be huge as well. He's He always seems to play very well and make a key block and a key catch on third and five or something. <laughs> All right, let's close out the show with our trivia question. The Rams quarterback in 1973 wore the number 21 jersey, and his name was John Hadle. He replaced Roman Gabriel. He had a fine season and actually even made the Pro Bowl and was named an All-Pro of both leagues, the NFC and the AFC. And uh, the following year, he just fell off a cliff, and uh, the Rams ultimately traded him to the Packers. This has been the Ram Forward Podcast. We ask that you like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. And if you really like the show, feel free to write a review.